Who will wake up on Monday morning and be the most miserable, mortified, mortified and morbid? It might be Mike McCarthy. Oh, listen to all those M's. So we don't put individuals in our poll, or at least we haven't to this point, but I could come up with easily four individuals to make up a Monday mortification question. We're going to stick to teams for now. And producer Jay is pretty sure we should just throw three of the four AFC West teams in there probably every week. Uh, And if we thought the Houston Texans had anything to play for, they could go into the poll every week as well. The Jaguars could probably fit in there pretty easily too. But it's more morbid and mortifying and it's a lot more miserable when you have something to play for. When you don't have expectations, well, then there's far less of a letdown. (laughs) My mom is forever telling me to lower my expectations just in, in terms of not expecting so much of people because when I expect so much of people, expect too much of them actually or expect them to respond like I do, then I get let down. But I think that's so, so true about our sports teams. If we have no expectations, it doesn't hurt nearly as much. If we have no expectations, well, we don't wake up miserable. But in spite of ourselves, we get sucked in every single time. (laughs) I, as a football fan, I would love to tell you that each week I go into it with zero expectations, but that's not the case. I keep thinking, "Uh uh-huh, they're going to turn it around this week. This is going to be the week. They're too talented. They can't continue to play this badly. How long can you inhabit rock bottom? How long can you swim around underneath the mire and muck at the bottom of the pond? The cesspool. And so when your team has zero expectations and you have none for them, well, everything they do that's positive, it's like Christmas. But when you have high expectations for your team and you are disappointed, man, does it cut you like a knife? Does it pierce you to the core? Crap. Yes. So melodramatic. Speaking of cut you like a knife, we have a crying Derek Carr. Just wait. We'll get back to the AFC West, but no, we're not going to put all AFC West teams in our poll because... Well, let's be let's be fair. They could be there every week, and we want to give other teams and fan bases a shot at being the most mortified and miserable on Monday. <laughs> we want to share our misery. Misery loves company. So the poll will go up at some point. We're still debating which teams, but that's actually kind of fun because then you all can send your own write-in ballots and, and let us know who's most miserable as you wake up on a Monday because we're – so emotionally attached to our teams. Unfortunately, as they go, very often we go. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us. One hour down, a lot to get to still, including football in Munich. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. So Jay and I had a conversation and decided that This hour will be about the two games that lit us up on Sunday. Absolutely 
awesome twists and turns if you love drama and have no rooting interest. Of course, that's not all of us, right? Uh, For the Vikings, for the Bills fan bases, this was a major, major stepping stone and gauge in Week 10. For the Vikings specifically, on the road in Orchard Park, but for the Bills, who have not played great football through the course of a 60-minute game. To be fair, we've seen the flashes of brilliance on both sides of the ball. We've seen how good the Bills can play, but we've also seen them let their guard down. We've also seen them make boneheaded mistakes. We've also seen them lose twice in the AFC East and not keep that death grip on the division that many people expected they would have. First step in winning a Super Bowl is winning your division. So you have not just the home field, but a shot at the top seed. All of those things are in play for the Bills. Unless they can't figure out a way to to not have these stretches. I know that's a double negative. Not have these stretches where they stink. Where seemingly they're not all on the same page and they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Because we've seen that a few times from the Bills. Very often with the best teams in any sport, in any league, when they lose, it's because they beat themselves. And I'm not saying they can't be beaten by other teams, but this was set up for the Buffalo Bills. And they screwed up. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio on Facebook, on Twitter, A-Law Radio. And if you want to find our show Twitter, that's where all of our polls originate from for the most part. And so you can check that out, After Hours CBS. We're going to go back to the beginning, of course, with the Bills and the Vikings. Josh Allen did start despite the UCL sprain. He was able to practice on a limited basis on Friday, and I think at that point the news kind of broke that he would be out there on the field. And didn't seem like there were any effects whatsoever. 24 points in the first half for Buffalo. Seriously, 24 points in the first half for Buffalo. This is what they do, right? They come out like a house on fire. They score on four of five drives. They get a pair of rushing touchdowns from Devin Singletary. And there's probably a lot of people in Orchard Park, a lot of people watching on TV who thought, all right, well, the Vikings just got exposed. The Vikings are not on the same level as the Buffalo Bills. And then late in the third quarter, the Bills actually expand their lead. They're up by 17 points before Minnesota gets serious. Minnesota does this, right? They don't blow teams out. They actually prefer to toy with their fans and to toy with the rest of the NFL. But you know when they get serious. It's so true about the Vikings. You know when they drop the hammer and they decide it's time to to come up with that finishing kick, so to speak. Cousins goes under center. Dalvin is the tailback. Thielen right, Jefferson left. Hand off Dalvin, room to the left side. He scoots by a bill at the 25. To the 30, and is loose! Dalvin Cook, 30-20, touchdown! That's Paul Allen. He and the Vikings radio booth have a blast. We're going to hear more from them. So that Dalvin Cook 81-yard touchdown late in the third quarter 
signaled to the entire NFL and certainly everybody in Orchard Park that the Vikings were now in the building, that the Vikings had dropped the hammer and were ready to go. I'm not saying this is a great quality for a team to have, though if you're constantly in close games, in close and late games, and you have to fight for your very lives, it does build that quality. It does build that character where you're never out of the fight. So so there is something positive to say about it. Maybe the Vikings are just not a team that's ever going to blow anybody out. That's not who they are, except, man, do they have some incredible weapons. (laughs) It's amazing to watch this team when they are locked in. And so Dalvin Cook speeds away for 81 yards, and then it's Josh Allen's turn. It's the Bills' turn. And he guides Buffalo into the red zone on a 13-play possession. There are three long conversions on third down, and so they're they're backed way up on third down, and yet he finds receivers downfield. But then, even as they're knocking on the door, trying to get that TD back, he throws an interception in the end zone, and Patrick Peterson, the veteran, is able to bring that out and snuff out the threat. So what happens? Well, the Vikings, again, they don't, it's it's like when they lock in, they don't waste the opportunities. 13 plays. It's a Minnesota drive that's capped by C.J. Ham. Raise your hand if you have C.J. Ham on your fantasy team. Nope, I do not. A C.J. Ham rushing touchdown to pull the Vikes within four. And all the momentum is on the side of Minnesota. Now, they don't get the point after attempt. Is it Greg Joseph? Greg Joseph misses the kick. So they're trailing by four, not three. And there's a lot of talk at that time. Oh, this is going to come back to bite him in the ass. Four and a half minutes to go. I hope at this point you were settled in and you had no place to go. Didn't need food, didn't need drink, didn't need a bathroom break because it was just starting to get good. (laughs) It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. A quick Buffalo three and out. And that's what I'm talking about. The Bills disappear. Not only do they get the interception in the end zone, So the defense has to go right back out there. Well, not right back out there. It was a pretty long drive. But the defense has to go out there and try to defend when it's back on its heels. But then after that long drive by the Vikings, the Bills' offense goes three and out. And so the Vikings were able to get right back into that groove in that next drive. And Minnesota is marching at this point, including a fourth down. You know it's going well. When you are okay going for it on fourth and 18, and you've got all the confidence in not just your quarterback, but the guys he's throwing to. Cousins, empty backfield, three receivers right, a couple to the left. The Bills' safeties are 25 yards from the line of scrimmage. Kirk back to pass. He's going to heave one to J.J. to the right. Jefferson leaps to catch it, and he caught it at the Bills' 40. What a grab. Are you kidding me with that catch, J.J.? It was unbelievable. People are calling it the catch of the year, yada, yada, yada. Producer Jay is going to put it up, uh, the video on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. Not only is it a one-handed leaping grab and one of those where it's kind of behind his head, but he has to power it away. He has to muscle it away from the defense. So it's not just that he's fighting for the ball. He's actually fighting with the defender as well. 32 yards. Fourth and 18, Justin Jefferson, clutch. And 
let's be fair, Kirk Cousins, also clutch, though fewer people have ever called him that in his career. And so that's the fourth down conversion, and the Vikings are in position. They're on the goal line. And again, with all this momentum, of course, this was going to get the Vikings into pay dirt. I formation, the fullback hand, the tailback cook, and the Vikings are ready to go. Fourth and goal from the half-yard line. Cousins going to keep it himself, trying to quarterback sneak his way into the end zone. Very close. No signal yet. It's close. And the Bills stop him. They stop him short of the end zone. The Bills stop him. 44 seconds left. A big pile of that the quarterback did not make it in the end zone. The turnover on downs, first down Buffalo. Holy mackerel. They stopped him from a half yard out. Shaq Lawson in on the stop. And a big pileup on fourth and goal from the half yard line. Holy mackerel is not the first thing that came to mind, but I think that's appropriate. <laughs> that's John Murphy and Eric Wood Holy on Bill's radio. Mackerel. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that was the win from the half yard line. But they're able to stuff them. And so for all those weapons, up close matters not. And the Bills are still in front in the final minute. But they're also backed up, right? Because they take over on fourth down on the half-yard line. And so talk about close and tight and everybody all bunched up. Josh Allen puts Gabe Davis in motion. And Davis is behind Allen. And he tried to push him. He didn't get out of there. He didn't get out. He did not get out. That's the safety. Give it to us. Give us the safety. Look at what's taking so long. Oh, the ball came out. Yes, the Vikings are going to win. Are you kidding me? Yes, drop that ball, Josh Allen. That ball came loose. (laughs) Holy cow. Josh Allen tried to sneak through the middle. They signal touchdown. The ruling on the field is that the quarterback muffed the snap. Minnesota dived on the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Are you kidding me? How about that? Oh, my. I, I This... Paul, when it's your year, it's your year. How about okay. your Vikings, Vikings fans? How about that? Let's not get carried away. It, yes, they are 8-1. and one, And yes, they have the second best record in the NFL after this win. But we don't know if it's their year, to be fair. But that's Paul Allen and Pete Bursich. And uh, Pete Burchich? 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 Bursich? Uh-oh. Burchich. Burchich. Okay. If I got it wrong, it's totally Jay's fault. I'll take that I'm one. just kidding. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. We know Paul. We should get him on the show. Every now and then he texts me and says, when is it my turn to come on after hours again? Oh, well, this might be it. Josh Allen fumbles the ball. And it wasn't just on Josh. It's an exchange with his center. And sometimes that happens. But could it have happened at a worst possible time? No. Heck No. But you may recall there that Paul and Pete say this one's over, except that it's actually not over, despite the fact that Eric Kendricks recovers that ball in the end zone for the go-ahead TD. Buffalo uses five plays to get into field goal range, so that's familiar. They kick into high gear, and they send the game to overtime. Minnesota wins the coin flip in Orchard Park. 
and the, the the touchdown would have been would have ended it right for those of you who still need the overtime rules explained to you sometimes I do as well actually it's pretty obvious that the NFL thinks everybody does because the referee is mic'd up whenever they go into overtime and he explains the rules so I don't know if there's still people out there who don't know the overtime rules but I wouldn't be surprised and as I say the NFL clearly expects that. <laughs> so they go into overtime. It's a 12-play drive, and it's about an extra point for Greg Joseph. It'll be a 33-yard try. Right, Ash. Nobody's running in late for the Vikings. No excuses here. Snap spot. Joseph. Yes! Vikes lead 33-30. Allen back to pass in the pocket to the end zone. Yes! And he's got it by Patrick Peterson! And he slides down! And the Minnesota Vikings are 8 and 1! We're still having fun, we're 8 and 1! And they come to (laughs) Buffalo and they walk off on Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills! Again, that's Paul Allen on Vikings Radio. We're still having fun. We're eight and one. We're still having fun. We're eight and one. He goes with holy cow. Uh, John Murphy said holy mackerel earlier in the game. I went with holy crap on my Twitter. If uh, you can come up with any more holies, well, let me know on Twitter, A-Law Radio. So, yes, once again, Buffalo gets into the red zone. And what happens? Josh throws another interception. And it's picked off yet again by Patrick Peterson, who had quite a day with two interceptions in the fourth quarter in OT. That was a, a really big play, obviously, to, to close out the game and, and get the victory for us. But they came out and just ran a simple Dover scheme, a, a Dover uh, um, concept with the number one receiver running a deep end, the tight end motion over from the three receiver side to create a two by the two by two and try to clear out the safety and the quarterback kind of knows in red zone a lot of teams play quarters in that in, in that situation and with me understanding where the ball was being away from me it's hard for the quarterback to throw it back you know into the field. It's always easier for the, the, the quarterback to throw the ball coming back into his vision. So I knew that, and um, I just undercut the uh, the dig and sealed the game. Well, I love that explanation from the veteran Patrick Peterson. And we'll hear from Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, asked about where this game fits so far in his career. What a game he had. So did Stephon Diggs, and they will be forever tied. The Vikings and Bills will be forever tied because Buffalo traded for Stephon, and he is now the yin to to uh, Josh Allen's yang. But the pick that the Bills traded in exchange turned out to be Justin Jefferson in the next draft. And that's why you hear Paul Allen mention Stephon Diggs. He's the guy that caught the Minneapolis miracle. But he's made a home for himself, and he's got his QBs back, to be sure. So now you'll stop asking if the Vikings are for real, right? (laughs) My hashtag for this game, total NFL insanity, because it definitely lived up to the billing. Oh, sorry, the billing. It definitely lived up to the hype. But I would say the Bills fans are probably mortified waking up on Monday. I know Josh Allen is. Again, you'll hear from him as well as the Vikings straight ahead. 
It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Second and 10 from the 20-yard line, 119 left in overtime. Bills down by three. Snap to Josh. Looks, looks, waits. Fires down, straight down the middle, intercepted in the end zone. Patrick Peterson picks it off, and that will end it. The Vikings win it. Josh Allen threw an interception in the end zone that Peterson, the veteran, picked off two yards deep in the end zone. thinking that the Buffalo Bills have to be in our Monday mortification poll because this one was brutal. 17-point lead late in the third quarter. They have the goal line stop only to turn around then and fumble the ball right there up close. And, of course, the Vikings capitalize. They take the lead. And even though this one went into overtime, the Bills have another turnover when it matters most. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. As you can imagine, Josh Allen uh, putting this on himself and his overtime interception that he's going to relive over and over. Bad ball. Bad decision. Losing sucks. Sucks this way even worse. Um, Horrendous second half. I got to be better. I got to be better. Josh, what happened on the... So Josh Allen is putting this on him. And as you can imagine, uh, we heard him talk last week about how crappy quarterback play is the reason why the Jets uh, were, were losers to, uh, I said the Jets, sorry, the Bills were losers to the New York Jets. And now with this loss to the Vikings, which is a tough way to try to rebound, but they had a 17-point lead in the second half. They're 6-3, and three, and they don't have the tiebreak with the Jets. So they've gone from first place in the AFC East to third place in the AFC East, though, of course, they have another game with the Jets. But they haven't yet won in their division, which is a big deal. Uh, and so there's some, there's some cause for concern. I didn't realize this until I heard it on my drive into work. Josh Allen actually leads the NFL in interceptions. And I, I know there isn't a throw he can't make, but he also has to be smart about it. He can't just be chucking the ball all over the place. Patrick Peterson had him down to a science and was ready for that second ball in overtime. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Josh goes 29 of 43, 330 yards. He has a touchdown. He has two interceptions and a fumble, but at least he was able to play after the UCL sprain. I just progressed throughout the week pretty steadily. Um, Put a lot of hours into getting ready to play. You know, appreciate the guys in the training room for helping me get back out there. Um, I, I don't know if I can give you a definite day, but I always felt like I could play. Did that injury impact you at all today? No. I know Josh. I know he's extremely hard on himself. So I I don't play the role of saying, oh, I mean, I don't know. I never even talk about the negative stuff. I'm more of a positive, positive guy anyways. But I got his back no matter how it shakes out. Um, our quarterback gives a lot of effort. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the game, you saw him lead us all the way down, all the all the way down the field. So especially taking the positives from it, he's going to hate it for 24 hours. But uh, I got his back. I can't. 
I take the good with the bad any day. My quarterback is a winner. Um, we lost two games. You know what I'm saying we just trying to bounce back at this point. Uh, we playing a lot of good football, and it's things that we can get better at. That's all I can really like attest to. Like we can be better, we will be better. Josh Allen's ride or die. That's Stephon Diggs. A dozen catches for 128 yards, and he's makes just as many dazzling plays as does Justin Jefferson. It was phenomenal to see the two of them on the field in the same game. Not together, not the same time, but they both had one-handed grabs. And if not for Jefferson's in that fourth quarter on fourth and 18, well, then we might be talking about Stefan's one-handed grab himself. So, yes, back-to-back losses for the Bills. They fall to 6-3, and three, still plenty of real estate to go, but no doubt they feel like they spit the bit with this one and gave up a huge opportunity. And then you've got Kevin O'Connell who's talking about the wild swings at the end of the game. The ability to try to get that ball out from your one-inch line, um, we work on that, we talk about it, and our guys not only being uh, you know, a legal play to, to kind of knife in there and get the ball, uh, but Eric Kendricks ended up with it, and, and uh, that was a huge, huge moment. Um, so hopefully th- thinking we were putting that game away, but then just like great teams do, they battled right back, and we just kind of continued to have to trade those blows, and body blows, you know, haymakers, and, and, and just try to be ready for the next snap. So a lot of wild swings, and you've got to roll with the punches, and you've got to be available. you got to keep your head in the game, because if something happens that you didn't expect, and it's not over, and you're not done, well, you've got to be ready for what comes next. You can't be caught off guard or wrong-footed. Uh, so, yeah, this was... It was one of those games that provides tremendous theater and lives up to the hype. As for Justin Jefferson, he's got that one-handed grab that you can now see on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. The more I watch it, uh, the more insane it feels. (laughs) Another big game for him. And so he was asked about ranking this one, kind of like people have to label it the game of the year. Well, he was asked where it ranks in his young career. Definitely top two for sure. Um, just off us being down, um, going up against a team like that, uh, us not getting that that goal line touchdown and uh, fumbling in the end zone, it's, it was so crazy. Uh, it, it felt like it was unreal. It felt like a movie. You kind of learn just to really believe and, and trust that um, at some point, you know, it could be the next play. Something's going to turn, and um, it was a wild game. I think the Bills are a really good football team that will be playing a, you know, meaningful football in January. Uh, it's a great atmosphere here. Um, you know, Certainly, when it's a game that close, you can point to any number of plays where the game could have gone either direction, and we're, we're you know, thrilled to come out of here with a win. You're all over the map. I mean, you're, um, you're expecting to get in, didn't get in, <laughs> about as close as you can get without, not get without getting in. And then defense does a phenomenal job, not only you know, providing pressure there, but also then recovering it for a touchdown and then um, you know then we had to get our mind right for overtime and I thought we ran the football really well in overtime um, so you know there were a lot of a lot of sequences there we have to just keep playing so Kirk Cousins goes 30 of 50 in this game now keeping in mind there's overtime um, but still 30 of 50 that's a lot of passes 357 yards a touchdown he has a couple of interceptions but both of his were early and so Josh Allen's turnovers were late which uh, turned out to be more damaging. And now Kurt is probably up to, what, eight gold chains? He's got to get his own bling, as he told us last week. Let's be expecting a few more videos on Insta or TikTok with him dancing, though maybe not shirtless. Taking stock of the NFC. We know the Eagles play on Monday night. They're 8-0. They had the chance to move to 9-0. 
But the next best record in the NFC is 8-1. and one. In fact, the next best record, the second best record in the entire NFL is the Minnesota Vikings. So, yeah, they're real. Kevin O'Connell deserves a ton of credit. Think about the two first-time head coaches that have their teams among the best in the league. Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings, 8-1. and one. The Giants, Brian Dable, 7-2. and two. And we haven't gotten to them yet. We definitely will because we're diving into NFC East straight ahead. We've also had an offer from our friend TJ Reeves, who was on the team plane with the Buccaneers traveling back from Germany. He asked if we would like a few minutes to talk about the NFL's first ever game in Munich and the second straight win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think. Thumbs up. Yes, he's going to join us for a couple of minutes after the top of the hour. But our next order of business is Packers, Cowboys. As we're talking about the Vikings putting distance between themselves and the rest of the NFC North, and we're talking about the NFC being top heavy, well, the Packers got to get their rears in gear or this is going to get away from them fast. Into all of that storm comes Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. So that's straight ahead. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. We will have our Mortification Monday poll up in mere minutes. So on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or my Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then our Facebook page, too. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Three receivers bunched tight on the left side of the line. Single receiver right, press coverage by the Cowboys. Rodgers looks to the air. Rainbow's right side, and he's got the rookie over the counter. Catch to the end zone. It is a touchdown for Christian Watson. His first NFL touchdown reception and a backflip in the south end zone. Takes the snap. Gives to Jones. Big hole. Up the middle. Cutting left into 10. To the five. To the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. 12-yard touchdown blast. And the Packers lead it 13-7. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We got an exceptional battle early that went into overtime, an exceptional battle in the second, well, third round of games, if you count Germany as the opening round. But I guess we could call it hors d'oeuvres, the appetizer to Week 10 Sunday in the NFL. Wayne Larravee on Packers Radio. Would you believe this was a scoreless opening quarter? (laughs) Kind of interesting, too, and I'm not sure how it worked out around the rest of the nation. Probably not the way that it did in many New York and Northeast markets. But because I had the Bills and Vikings broadcast on Fox, I didn't actually see the opening quarter of Packers-Cowboys because it was covered up by the overtime of Bills and Vikings. (laughs) So I, I didn't miss any points, at least. It's almost as though they were waiting for the rest of the national audience to catch up. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So yes, the pace quickens after that scoreless opening quarter. And Dallas is able to get into the get into a groove and we see Dak Prescott using his weapons and going all over the place. And it's as a response to what the Packers are doing. So it was a good back and forth give and take. I really enjoyed seeing both these quarterbacks and these offenses put together quality drives. But the Cowboys were able to 
they were able to tie this game at halftime despite a pair of interceptions by Dak Prescott. And that's where the Packers built their lead, right? That's where the Packers were able to get their momentum is the fact that they got two touchdowns after interceptions by Dak. So a 14-point Green Bay second quarter, but a 14-point Dallas second quarter as well. That's nuts, though. No points in the first quarter, but 28 points, four touchdowns in the second quarter. And they also have a couple of turnovers there in the first half, too. So it's kind of nuts, though. The Cowboys, they were able to work the football around. They used a lot of CeeDee Lamb, a lot of Tony Pollard, which I like. They were trying to work it to their tight ends, too. And Dak Prescott looks good. He looks healthy. Just those were terrible decisions by him. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers is dealing with a thumb pain. He got stripped in that first half and fumbles the ball away. Looked like his thumb got bent back on a tackle as a defender reaches in and kind of grabs. And I don't know if it was intentional. I do know that Greg Olson mentioned on the broadcast that when defenders know what body part is hurting, they will come for it. They will on purpose, attempt to re-injure or tweak. And and that's certainly fair game. It's why coaches in the NHL, for instance, only mention lower body injury or upper body injury. So, yeah, it's 14-14 at the half. But Dallas is able to find a groove then and is able to get into that third quarter and get the leg up ahead, get the leg up on Green Bay. Actually, Don't know if 21 is the third quarter or not, Jay. So if you want to let me know. Um, But the, sorry, I'm not exactly sure what the cuts are. Uh, So the the Cowboys are able to post the 14 points in the third quarter. And the Green Bay offense goes quiet. You have Tony Pollard. You've got CeeDee Lamb. And pretty quickly, with the Packers not doing anything, it's a 28-14 to lead. How many times we got to see Christian Watson with a ball going through his hands on the Packers' very first drive of the season, right? Did we see that highlight at least three times on Sunday? But there's a reason. Not because he was dropping passes again, but because he was finding some vindication. Fourth and six from the 39. Snap, Rodgers steps up looking. Lofts his guy to the left side. He's got Watson again. Touchdown, Green Bay. Christian Watson, a Lambo leap to the north end zone stands. Beat Deron Bland. First down and goal to go just inside the Cowboys' eight-yard line. Slot to the right side, Rodgers under center. Aaron Jones, alone back, and the hand, fake handoff to Jones. Rodgers to the left side of the end zone. He's got it, man. Touchdown. It is the rookie, Christian Watson, for the third time today. They beat Malik Hooker. Great protection. Watson uncovered. He's got three touchdown receptions. And the Packers are an extra point away from getting this thing tied. When it happened, it happened quickly. A 76-yard drive, an 89-yard drive. And before you could blink, the Packers had erased that 14-point deficit and tied it. And Christian Watson was brilliant on this day. And Aaron Rodgers was looking for him. 39-yard touchdown, a 7-yard TD in stride. There was actually other catches and yards out there for Watson. But he didn't have a perfect day. 
But it was a hallmark day for the rookie. So in the fourth quarter, we see the Packers rally, but there was this moment that stands out. Even though neither team had any points before that quarter ended, right? So they're tied at 28. Aaron comes off the field after the Packers in the final minute go three and out. And he's angry because they're not running the ball and running time off the clock. Now, it didn't turn out to be a big deal, but man, he was fired up and he's screaming at his head coach after an incomplete on third and one that they aren't running the ball. So into overtime, Dallas gets the ball first. And here's where, I don't know, people could question Mike McCarthy's decision-making. Because on fourth down, they're in field goal range. Now remember, a touchdown wins it for the team that has the ball first. They're in field goal range. McCarthy goes for it on fourth down. And we're not talking about a fourth and inches. We're talking about a fourth and three. But there was a great pass rush. And Dak Prescott throws the ball kind of wildly, and it's really nowhere near his receiver. It's an incomplete pass. So then Green Bay has an opportunity. Next score wins. And the moment where everything changed for Aaron Rodgers. So again, keep in mind, he's screaming at his coach. He's dropping F-bombs at the end of the fourth quarter. On Fox, they replay his... his, uh, face over and over so you can easily read his language (laughs) and then minutes later after the Cowboys have come up short on fourth down and scored no points on their opening possession of overtime we get a completely different Aaron Rodgers Cowboys cheat up on the line of scrimmage could be a run blitz they will hand the ball to oh, throw to Lazard. Up the middle, he comes to the 20-yard line before Wilson tackles him from behind at the 18-yard line. Jason Crosby for the win. Snap placement. Kick is up. And it yes! is good! Yes! Good! And there is your dagger! The Packers... Jumping all over, Mason Crosby, who's done it again to the Cowboys. The Packers have ended the five-game losing streak. Woo! Talk about the 100-pound gorilla off the back of the Packers, and they do it against their former coach, Mike McCarthy. But the moment that Aaron Rodgers lets loose, starts leaping around like a leprechaun and fist-pumping, is that pass that he completes to Alan Lazard. It's third and one. They're not in field goal range at this point. They're still on their own side of the field. And Lazard catches the ball and snakes his way through the defense for 36 yards. And Aaron starts leaping around, smiling, fist pumping, like they just won the game, which I guess they hadn't at that point. However, Mason Crosby nails the 28-yard field goal. So the Packers were able to win this one. And no doubt for them to have the relief and the joy is about like the Buccaneers in week nine. A lot of the battles that we face are between I and I, between the person that can go out there and dominate and knows that they can and the little voice in your head that tries to knock you off of that uh, confident perch you're on. It's still a long season and we got we have to control what we can. We can't worry about 
um, what those other teams are doing. We, we've got a, a good one coming up Sunday. This is uh, it's a game between two familiar foes, but for Mike McCarthy, it was his return to Lambeau. He obviously didn't want to talk about that after the game. He was pretty upset with how things ended, but I will tell you this. He did not second guess his choice to go for it on fourth and three, even though they were already in field goal range. Uh, He didn't want to give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, wanted to sustain that drive and try to get the touchdown and end it without the Packers ever touching the ball, which I think most offenses would agree with. A lot of coaches would have done the same. Would have been nice for them to walk out with a win, but instead the Packers end what was the NFL's longest losing skid. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. 